This podcast contains sensitive content which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is not <laughs> ideal, but we're going with it. The podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. I'm Anna and I'm the ever increasingly annoyed daughter. <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, this is what? Take five? Take six? Who take knows? Six at least. Yes. At least. We've been having some pregame. Tumbles. And by pregame, by pregame, let me just clarify. What she means is she's been lecturing me on how I I live in a more vulgar culture and I need to tone down my vernacular for this for this podcast. Yes, that's true. So after getting a few lessons in vulgarity and which words are considered vulgar and which are not, I'm ready. I'm here. Did you take notes? I did. I took you got notes. Some stuff crossed off. And this is the computer. test. I'm ready for the final and I'm here and I'm going to, this is going <laughs> to be luck. rated PG at least on the language front. Okay, good. Okay. So, that sounds great. So here's what we're going to be doing. I'm going to lay out the plan and then we're going to go for it. Okay. So we are going to be talking today about mom's car accident, which was very traumatic for everybody in the family. But we've did we've done an entire episode on this already and we had sent it off to our editor and we got it back a couple days ago and we listened to it. And mom sounds bizarre because she's talking about her entire accident, everything that happened from the moment that the car hit her to being in the hospital, waking up to then talking to her family afterwards. And she's talking about it like she was at the grocery store and like <laughs> a stock boy just forgot to put a can of peas up in her favorite aisle. Like it's not, it seems which, like a totally not big deal to her. Which is common for trauma. It's just not something I even realized I was doing until I could hear myself doing it and thought, oh, okay, that's not ideal. Let's try that again. Yeah. Except I actually told her on the day that we recorded it <laughs> that that's how she sounded. And so uh, those of you who might know us know that we both have two heels that we definitely like to dig in now and then. <laughs> We're both very stubborn, got big personalities. So we recorded like a 35-minute episode of oh, mom so talking in like a sing-song voice about her car accident. Oh, no. And we went through the trouble of getting it edited. We waited for a week. So that's why this episode is coming out a little bit late. It's mom's fault. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's so true. And I remember listening to you and thinking, no, that's, it's fine. It's exactly what it should be until I heard yeah, I it and thought, wow, she was right. Wouldn't our lives just be made so much easier if you would just understand that whenever I open my mouth, I'm right. You, you'd like that, wouldn't you? If I just 100% had agreement. Yes. But then, of course, okay. there we would have had to restart this one as well if I hadn't been told <laughs> that I was wrong because of how many phrases I was using that are apparently considered vulgar. So... <laughs> Let's just yeah. jump straight in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Move past each other's blatant flaws like we always do in order to remain Absolutely. friends. 
Absolutely. Okay. So, right, so do you want me to start and talk? Okay. So with um, some emotion this time, please. Okay. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> so it was on January 7. Uh, we had just come off of a really hard time with Anna. As you know, you guys have been listening to the difficult time. Um, she was back in Australia, still recovering, still struggling. And in fact, we had been most recently concerned about uh, your teeth. Is that right, Anna? That was where there was yeah. something happening. You were concerned about how the meds were impacting your bones and stuff well, like that. Well, yeah, we found out that because obviously after that surgery, the hope was that it would take away all of my um, back pain. And it took away some of it, but not not nearly all of it. And it actually made pain at night worse for me. And so it ended up that I had been clenching my teeth so hard in pain at night that I had cracked like three of my molars. So yeah, mm. we were concerned about my teeth. Yes. And so um, I remember, actually, interestingly enough, that morning I took a photograph. Sometimes I take photographs of skies. And in Pennsylvania, we have some of the most beautiful morning skies. And on my camera, I have a, a photograph in the early morning. It was just a gorgeous pink sky. And I uh, took a picture of that and then headed off to work. It was pretty early. I have about a 45 minute drive to a 40 minute drive to work and um, was feeling, you know, just like a normal day, a little thinking about Anna's teeth and thinking about my day. And I was also thinking about my comedy lessons, which were going to be, I was going to be attending my first ever comedy lessons in downtown Philadelphia that night. Um, so I was thinking, had a few things on my mind, but just driving. Um, I, I do remember the night before the accident on my way home from work. Actually, it was two nights before the accident on my way home from work. Um, I had pulled up behind a vehicle with kind of a scary looking bumper sticker. And I just remembered feeling like scared of life kind of in general. And I wait, uh, what was just, the bumper sticker? Yeah, I've never told anyone this before. Uh, it was like just a skull, kind of a scary face bumper sticker. And I don't even know Ooh. why they had it on that uh, the back of their car. It was. It was just kind of like, ew. And um, I just remembered feeling like, well, it, you know, sometimes when you have anxiety, sometimes anxiety says, oh, that means something bad's going to happen. And yeah, that was kind of what moment. anxiety yeah. said. And so uh, one of the ways I uh, respond to that is I just sort of try to not accept that message and, and let anxiety know like that's not helping me and I'm not going to go down that path. Um, I'm also a person of prayer. So I, I prayed for protection and then I just went on my way. And then two days later, I'm getting in my car, going on my way to work. And I was in the left lane. I was going about 50 miles per hour and I was coming up to a area of the highway that had a big grassy median in between the my, my traffic and the oncoming traffic. So you don't really pay attention to it. It's had bushes. It's really kind of a nice little median there. And I just remember being in the left lane. I had um, just come through an intersection and was really thinking just about work. I was getting closer to my office. And suddenly, the next thing I know, there's a vehicle um, that, that enters my lane coming straight for me. Um, and some bushes, pieces of bushes were flying. And there was no time to do anything. I had fraction of a second. And I do distinctly remember turn my wheel right or left. I must have turned my wheel like a quarter of an inch to the left before there was a smash. And it was the hardest smash I'd ever experienced in my body. And, um, and can we pause here for a second? Sure. Actually, I want to let our listeners know, since doing the last episode, our first take, 
that was seemingly emotionless, mom has now been having flashbacks ever since then. And so the emotion has kind of bubbled back up. Is that right, mom? Yeah. So the emotions are like, it's kind of like my body's trying to help me connect with what this smash meant to me and what yeah. what it was like, what it felt like. And so I guess- Yeah, because this smash is like the thing that's been coming back now, now that's uh, right. over and over again, yep. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so this big smash, and then I don't recall anything else that happened until someone was tapping on my window. However, after our first recording of the podcast, I had a dream. And in the dream, the accident was reenacted. And in the reenactment, I could feel everything that happened between the smash and when the guy came and tapped up on my door. So almost like oh, I don't remember so anything. Yeah, but my dream kind of showed me what happened and my car was skidding. Actually, my car turned, did a, a full 180. It never, it never flipped um, over and no one else hit me, but it spun around either once or twice. And so I was actually facing in the opposite direction when they came to get me. That would actually so, be a 360. A th- oh yeah, okay. <laughs> You didn't just turn right and then stay. It'd be several 360s. Math was never my strong suit. So whatever that was, we spin in a circle, Mm -hmm. maybe a couple times. Anyway, so in my dream, I actually experienced those few seconds before my car stopped. And I do remember in my dream, cringing about my fear of anything else kind of running into me. And I do actually remember that sensation, but um, because as you're sitting there in the car and you're in the middle of the highway, you just don't know what's coming next. It all happens really fast. That is so interesting because I know as well that with my, that moment for me when I woke up from the surgery and I had no pain relief, I know in my in my active memory that I was only just waking up out of sedation, so I couldn't possibly have thought this many thoughts. But since then, I've had so many dreams about that exact moment, waking up from surgery with all of that pain, that mm-hmm. now it's almost like my memory has morphed into a conglomeration of dream memories and real life memory. Right. And I really believe that the memories pulled from those dreams, they had to have been real because where else would they have come from? I don't think that my dream brain would have been able to make up that accurate of a dream unless it actually was just a reenactment of what actually happened. And so now my memory of that event is different from what it was like when I first tried to retell the story. Anyways. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the brain is just, it's amazing um, how it can, you know, allow you to know more and more as you're safer and safer and mm and feeling more able to handle things. Hopefully that's, you know, that's the way you want your brain to work um, with this kind of thing. So anyway, um, yeah. So the next actual memory I have is suddenly waking up with a gasp of breath and feeling aware I was alive and aware I could breathe, but it was really hard to breathe. I had broken four ribs and I had a broken sternum and um, I had other fractures, but that was what I was first aware of because of the breathing. The very first thing, obviously, you're, you're kind of wanting to stay alive. And so breathing is an important part of that. So I was having trouble breathing and also the airbags gave off kind of a chemical type smell. So the person who ran up, the, the, the first person who's pulled over to try to help, tapped on the window and was like, don't move. I've called 911. And um, this was not the person who hit me. The person who hit me actually was okay. um, And I guess was walking around, but I never interacted with that person. 
Um, but this was a person who had just pulled over and said, I called 911, don't get out of the car. And I said, please open the door. My arm, one of my uh, injuries was a broken arm. My elbow was broken and I couldn't open the door. I had already tried. And so he opened the door for me and that was a huge help. And I just remember feeling so grateful for another human being being right there. Mm. And that just sort of flooded over me. And then mm. um, he said, what's your name? And I gave him my name and he repeated my name to the next person who'd pulled over to try to help. And when that person heard my name, it was a woman, I heard the woman say, Kim Winters, I know Kim Winters. And so mm. I was like, oh my goodness. I just remember being amazed that my close friend who also I work with was also on her way to work and she had pulled over not knowing it was me and came running right up to the side wow. of the vehicle to be there with me immediately. So that was huge. And she also grabbed my phone and called dad. So that was amazing. Not, not your dad. She called her, Kim's husband, Nate, my dad. Right. Oh, did I say, what did I say? Well, your you dad. said she called Oh, not dad. my dad. Yeah, no, right, yeah. Right. She called my husband, Nate. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Let's just not let dad listen to this episode because he hates when I know he does. married couples call each other mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So that I just remember that being, I was amazed in my heart that she was right there. So a lot of these next memories and all of these memories actually are sort of, I think the brain starts to try to help you let go of and release, and which is the, you know, what you want. I don't remember what it felt like. You've asked me that a few times. And I think my normal pain, my internal pain mechanism. So we have our own natural opiates and, and things like that that are released when something's actually happening. When we're imagining a bad thing that could happen to us, that doesn't happen. But when something's actually happening, the system kicks in and you get this extra kind of soothing, hopefully, ability to endure pain until help can get there. So I actually was just reading a quote from, I think, a sociologist or possibly an anthropologist. And they said, repression is the greatest skill that our brain has. It's our greatest defense mechanism repressing mm. moments of our lives until we can better handle it. Mm. Anyway, I just, I have never agreed with that more than I do now after everything you and I have both been through of just being so thankful to our brains that they know what to filter out and when and for how long until we can handle it. Like you said, until we're safer again. Yeah. And I love that quote. I think it's, um, is it Mr. Rogers who says, you know, when bad things happen, really good people look for the good people who show up. And truthfully, that was it was such a comfort so quickly to have two people just who were driving by to stop and be with me. And then mm. so, I was also kind of in a well-known area. So there were two police officers there right away. They got in the vehicle. Now, my vehicle, we had both me and the other driver had hit each other going about 50 miles per hour. So my car, I was in a little Hyundai Elantra and the other vehicle was bigger than mine, but I can't remember what it was, but it was bigger and um, it was pretty serious accident. And my whole front of my vehicle was kind of gone. Yeah. It sheared off completely. I remember seeing that photo. The way my vehicle worked was all the safety features worked so that almost the entire engine, you know, went under the driver's compartment instead of coming in. And just a small part came in and um, pierced my knee, broke my knee and my um, ankle had a compound fracture in my ankle. And then my back was broken and I had those ribs in the sternum and the elbow. So, um, and then I had a neck. Um, Hold on. And a concussion. Pause yeah. Perfect. Go ahead. And a concussion. Last word, monger. Sorry. Uh, 
I wanted to get them all in in the list. That's the whole point. You're listing off all of these injuries. Okay, sorry. As if they're a grocery list again. And Mm. let's just quickly say, I'm sure that this, it should be apparent to anybody listening, but that amount of injuries Mm -hmm. and that level of injuries, I mean, they were not surface injuries. I mean, Mm -hmm. these were bones that were sticking out of of Kim, of mom. The amount of pain I mean, the way that your brain reacts to that amount of pain, honestly, I have always been amazed that you stayed awake during all of this mm-hmm. because I know that I, I passed out with the amount of pain that I was in a couple times throughout hospital mm-hmm. just because my brain couldn't handle that amount of like, you know, those electric signals going back and forth mm-hmm. between your brain and your body saying this area is in pain and that area is in pain mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. area is like possibly falling off of your body. And your brain just can't handle it. And so eventually your brain just shuts down. And I have always been astonished yeah. that you even have that you even stayed awake through all that. That's, that's a really good point. You know, I think it was because of the broken ribs and the sternum and how focused I was on my breathing, which is so mm. interesting because I knew I needed to stay alive. Breathing was going to be what was necessary. Yeah, I was so very that focused. That instinct of staying alive kind of was what was keeping you. Yeah, I was very focused on just breathing. Mm. And... Of course, that's something that we use with trauma is focus on your breathing to help calm yourself down. So I don't know if that helped, but I, I know it, it was it was my focus at the time. Mm. I think you bring up a really good point that just that all this happened to me is sad. Like it, yeah. it makes me sad for my body and for me. And so, mm-hmm. um, but also we had just been through so much with your body that I... Can I just pause again? Yeah. You can catch your breath. No, but that's fine. I want to just say that this is also, I mean, I remember picturing you when I first heard that you had gotten into an accident. I remember picturing you there in the hospital bed and just thinking how sad it was. Totally. Just how heartbroken I was that this happened to your body and how yeah. how the world had had the audacity to cut into you like that. And I just remember just picturing you there. And actually, after you got into an accident, this is a little bit jumping ahead, but we'll go back to where where I'm cutting off from. But dad actually sent a photo of you in the emergency room to me. And it was kind of a gory photo. There was a good amount of blood. I was so shocked he sent that photo. I didn't even want to look at that photo. I, I looked, you know, but once I was out of the medications after the surgeries and I saw what photos were sent to you, I could not believe it. But he, I just, know, but you know, he's not. He just is like, here you go, <laughs> here she is. Well, but the thing is, I needed to know. I needed no, I to know. know what was going on. And I remember just looking at that. And since Dad doesn't really know how to work an iPhone, he accidentally <laughs> sent live photos, not just still photos. So there, it was like a two-second video that he was sending each time he sent a photo. And there was this one photo of you, and, and it, there was blood everywhere, and you, your eyes. You weren't wearing your glasses, and I remember the fact that you weren't wearing your glasses really shaking me Mm. because I'm so used to seeing you with your glasses and having you without your glasses. It was more than just your glasses got lost in the crash or whatever it was. What it was to me was you need glasses to be able to live your life fully, to be able to see what's going on. You need your glasses. And the fact that something in life has taken away your glasses from you Mm -hmm. means that you are no longer living the life that you should be living. And how dare anybody, anything, how dare they take away your glasses from you? Because, Hmm. you know, just it was so sad for me. Oh, my poor sweetie. Of course, you know, these same feelings now I'm having for myself, I had just finished having for you and for your poor body. And um, 
even I, I distinctly remember when they pulled me out of the vehicle. So these these police officers both were in in the vehicle pretty quickly. So we're back into the vehicle. I'm not out of the vehicle yet. And they I'm crunched in there and I really don't want to be in there any longer. Um, the guy who had come to the side of my window, he looked at my leg and did not look like it looked good. But I never looked at my leg until it came out of the cast after they removed the cast. I never looked at my injuries. Um, mm-hmm. I think looking at his face made me realize that might not be a good idea. So I just kept my face straight ahead. And um, as I kept my face straight ahead, and I could feel something was wrong with my back. So I was worried about my back. These two police officers are talking back and forth. And I was, again, so thankful for helpful people, but also decisive people. Um, There was clearly a chain of command. One person was offering options. The other person was making decisions. And I just absolutely loved that they came to a decision quickly. They thought about pulling me through the windshield. I did not want that option. They thought about getting Mm -hmm. the jaws of life. I did not have a sunroof. They said that would have been the easiest option. We don't have that. And that's going to take too long. We need to get her to the hospital. So they ended up just bracing me and then yanking me out of the vehicle. And again, which was the quickest way and I think the best option and the best decision. But even as they, um, so they pulled me out and I know, I don't remember this and I don't remember how it felt, but my friend who was there, um, who was such an incredible help to me, she said that I screamed really loud at that point. And I feel bad because I'm sure that was upsetting to her and to other people oh my word. Um, who were around. I know that's just, that's how I roll. I mean, I'm worried. I, I apologized for my yeah, screaming pandering. more than just this time. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, yeah, pandering, but not pandering, but. caretaking is a better word for it. Anyway, but I re- I distinctly remember because how much my back hurt at that moment. I have a crushed L4 vertebrae. Um, when they put me on the stretcher, all I could think of was how it felt for you, Anna, with mm-hmm. all of your, all that we had just been through with your incredibly sensitive and tender spine. And I, I, I had that thought on my way between my vehicle and the ambulance, my daughter went through worse than this. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. And I felt sad for me. And um, I think when something like this happens, you just uh, are trying to get through it. I got into the ambulance and I, the next thing I remember, they're doing a lot. Again, very thankful. They're moving quickly. I said, um, I wouldn't let go of the ambulance uh, person, the EMT, who was the first on my right and my bedside. Mm. And he actually had to pry my hand off of him. He had to, his other partner had to help. Because I couldn't let go. Wow. Um, even though I wanted to let go, I just couldn't. And um, I said to him, I'm a redhead and I'm worried that the pain medications aren't going to work because, of course, I was just thinking about what we had just been through with you. Yeah. And he was so comforting. He said, Oh, ma'am, we know all about redheads, all about we're going to take care of you. Do not worry. And so I felt guilty because I thought, my, I'm getting this right now care for my pain, and my daughter didn't have that. Yeah, and can yeah, I just say, just, this is yes. something I don't think I've told you before, but you've told me that about what that EMT said about, we know about redheads, you're going to be fine, we know how to take care of you. I know that We that know was, they don't respond well, they said to, you know, we know how they respond or whatever. I know that that was comforting to you to hear, but that almost makes me angry to hear. I mean, it does. It makes me angry to hear because of the amount of times I have heard 
medical professionals say that and how it gives it gives me anyway false hope because they always say I mean the amount the amount of people in emergency rooms and doctors who have said we need to get you to the emergency room the amount of people who have said to me who have medical degrees who've said we know all about what painkillers are and aren't going to work for you and then me telling them no you don't like I know what you know because I have studied what you know because of how many times this has happened to me and I can tell you that what you think you know will work and won't work is not the case with me. (laughs) And just how infuriating it is for me to hear medical professionals tell me that they know better than I do what's going to work on me and what's not going to work on me, which for the oi polloi is true. For the general populace, normally, yes, medical professionals will know better than they will what's going to work for them. And I'm so glad that that was helpful to you to hear. But hearing him say that to me is just an echo of a call that I have heard a thousand times that has been so far from the target. I mean, this, it makes me angry hearing it. Well, and again, I don't, I don't know that your opiate resistance was all about being a redhead. No, it definitely isn't. But it's the fact that you can say to medical professionals, I'm different. And they say, you're not. And you are what I've studied, which for your case was true. Your only difference was the fact that you were a redhead. And that difference was maybe, you know, had maybe a small impact. But for me, when I say I'm different and what you've studied is not going to work for me and they say, yes, it will because I've studied it and I know for sure that, you know, my knowledge is superior to yours in this, in this department, you know, it just makes me so angry. And it's just the fact that he used the same words with you that so many people have used with me. And it just, it can't help but incite anger in my own heart. So I'm so glad that it was, it was helpful and it was true for you that they actually did know. Correct. I mean, I was prepared for it not working, but it actually worked quite well. And I was kept very comfortable, um, relatively comfortable. I mean, as much as you could be with what was coming, but um, I felt very thankful. So I had this mix of feeling taken care of, feeling uneasy about whether I was going to be taken care of, whether it was going to actually work. Just shock, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was not anything that you expect where you're driving along and someone crosses a median and hits you head on. Yeah. I actually did. I was worried about the other driver. I I did ask what happened to the other driver and were they okay? And they told me, yep, the other driver's fine. He had a seizure and crossed the median. It was no one's fault. And so I was thankful for that. You have all these different emotions, all the the whole family and you and and me. And I'm, I'm having all of these things occur to me. And luckily, thankfully, I was only a few minutes away from the hospital. So they decided not to get the airlifting thing. They, they did talk about that. But airlifting they said, thing, you know, aka helicopter. <laughs> helicopter, yes. What's it called? Lifeline or something no, like I've that? Anyway, they, <laughs> so they drove me just like a five minute drive and you could hear I, I was being brought into the trauma. I was actually miraculously the right next to the only trauma one hospital in our area. Mm-hmm. So I was brought right into the trauma bay and I wanted to see my husband. I, uh, my friend had called my husband. I could hear him on the phone. She never held the phone up to my ears, but I could hear him say to my friend, he talks kind of loud, actually. He does. His voice travels. I could hear him say, um, I can hear her talking on the phone uh, to the police officers. So he was comforted by hearing me because I guess I, the police were asking me questions. And so she um, was able to explain what happened. And I, I did hear him say, wow, like, you know, he yeah. obviously this wasn't anything that any of us had expected on this day. So 
Yeah. And maybe that's a good, that might be a good point to leave it off. And then the next episode, we can talk about what it was like then once you got to the hospital and everything that happened afterwards. Does that sound good? Okay. That sounds great. Yep. That sounds great. I did. Sorry. I did have one thing that I wanted to say just before, and that's just the unbelievable coincidence or maybe not a coincidence as far as the injuries that mom had and the injuries that I have had. Because for those of you looking for a conspiracy theory, (laughs) very weird mom. So why don't you list the injuries that you had with your leg and your back? And then I'll share what mine were. So I have a right ankle compound fracture outside the leg, outside the skin on both sides um, in my ankle, multiple broken bones in that area. So what's yours, Anna? And then you also, your L4, L5 disc. I was going to do one at a time. Oh, sorry. We're not on the same page. We'll do matchy, matchy. Matchy, matchy. Matchy green squared. (laughs) So then mine... I also had my right ankle broken. I broke four. I broke my leg in four places, I think, just like you did. And mine didn't quite leave the skin, but it had drawn the skin so taut that it was very close to breaking through the skin. And it ended up being, I think, the same surgery that they had to do. Yep. And it was a surgery that took a lot longer, you know, normally with like broken ankles or even like a broken tibia. I was told that the surgery lasts like 45 minutes. My surgery lasted almost six hours. And I think yours for your leg lasted a long time as well. Isn't that right, mom? It was a lot. Yeah. And, and we have the yeah. same metal. The same metal. Yeah. We look the same on our ankle going through the airport x-ray machine. Matching yeah. We've got the same, wear. like the same amount of screws, the same plates were put in and we've got the same scar. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, every time I go through the airport, I always get pulled over now because I've got metal in my elbow and metal in my ankle. And so they're always like, what you got in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't they think they probably do that with you, Anna, because you are you have so much metal, right? They don't, do, they, do you get pulled aside? I've gotten patted down a few times, yeah. Well, I they never send me through the metal detector anymore. You know, like the arch that you walk through. Oh, really? They always send me into like the x-ray machine now so that they can see. And after my after my back surgery, uh, going home into, well, going home to Australia, I know that then I got patted down afterwards because it wasn't standard back surgery stuff that they could see in my back. Mm-hmm. So, it didn't, you know, there were no rods. There were just a bunch of pins that they could see because the other pieces of hardware in my back aren't hardware. They're like almost made of like nylon, like surgical grade soft material. And so it looks like it's a back surgery, but missing some key components. And so then that looks a little bit suspicious, I guess. And so then they pat me down, but then, you know, there's not a whole lot that you can pat down if it's just a back. So So we both (laughs) generally at the airport, we can both generally count on the free massage. Is that accurate? (laughs) (laughs) yes we definitely can especially the elbow like I think they're used to seeing ankle injuries but my elbow has so much metal in it that they definitely give me a nice little left arm (laughs) massage okay so the other injury that's the same is we both have L4 I have a crushed L4 vertebrae and what's yours I am thinking more of my disc between my L4, L5 disc. So I have degenerative disc disease. And between my L4 and L5 vertebrae, I have the most, the disc that is the most degenerated. So it's basically already, even though I'm still in my early 20s, it's basically bone on bone already. So that's the point in my back that I get the most pain from. And your back is now also in chronic pain. That's exactly where I'm getting the pain. Yeah, exactly. 
So we have the exact same chronic pain area in our back Mm -hmm. and the same issues with our leg because it's not just that the injury is the same, it's that the post-injury recovery is the same, meaning we have less dorsal flexion in our ankle, meaning like it's Mm -hmm. harder to run and things Mm -hmm. like that. You know, our our ankles aren't as flexible, obviously, because there's hardware in there. And, you know, there's that pain when you are running because I've actually had to start only running on the elliptical because I can't run on ground anymore. And mom has just said recently that you've gone back to running around the neighborhood, right? I, yes, I am averaging a 15 minute mile. I am proud to say I can run run for a full 30 minutes, Um, but I I feel- Yep, I feel I feel good. I I mean now I was doing it and then I what happens is every time the weather changes, all this metal yeah. in my body and my bones, uh they just are like stop, stop it, whatever you're doing. Yeah. So many people have said like that's a wives tale, the metal in your body doesn't actually react with weather changes. But oh my mm-hmm. word, yes it does. Yeah. Come come a little closer and I'll put some metal in your body <laughs> and you can see <laughs> because yeah. uh, there is a no doubt. Yeah. that it happens. And actually, um, I feel it before I can feel it in the weather. So like it's the barometer changing and then all of a sudden it'll be humid or the I'll feel the pain and then it'll be cold the next day. So anyway, so that's happened recently. So I stopped. I haven't, I'm going to try to go out tomorrow morning if I can muster up the energy. Yeah, but you do, you say that every step that you take, every pace you make with your right, yes. every step you take with your right leg, <laughs> you can feel the pain, right? Yes, I run because of the benefits to feeling down and anxious. And so I do not run because I just love getting out there like some people. (laughs) You know, I am not like excited about running. I know it's important and I know it's helpful to my mental health. So I like to run and not remember I'm running. I like to listen to podcasts or listen to music. Yeah, totally same. I like to try to make it feel like I'm not inside my body. Yeah, when I'm running. Exactly. But right now, every step I take with my right foot and ankle, my ankle, my knee, it's like, here you are. I'm still here. This is my body. You're in your body. You're taking run. That's another step and another step and another step. (laughs) So it's really annoying. But I'm working through it. And they told me, you know, they they showed me where the pain level should get to before I need to stop running. And I've never, you know, gotten to that point. Mm. (laughs) I've never run that long. But yeah. Can I paint a quick mental image of what it's like when I'm running? Sure. If I'm on the elliptical and I ha- I normally have my right hand on the part, the handlebar of the elliptical that's like moving back and forth. And then my yeah. left hand is normally like placed on my back to like brace my lower back oh. right over my hip. And now thinking about it, I think I probably look like a little old person who has oh. a serial killer behind her <laughs> running as fast as they can with their hand bracing their back. <laughs> How ridiculous that must look. Oh, come on. I'm not trying to get pity. Are you holding the back? Is that because of the pain or is that because of stability? No, pain. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's just trying to put a little bit of external pressure on those two vertebrae that are right up against each other. And as we've both been told, you know, more activity, less scar tissue issues, you know, more activity, better support for your back. So it is a struggle. You do have to try to keep moving. And but part of having broken bones and part of recovering from trauma is like, I don't want to move. I just want to sit here. I don't want to leave my house. So it's a it's an ongoing battle, but we're we're in it together, right, babe? Yeah, but also counterpoint, in my experience, sitting at home with a little cup of whipped cream and sprinkles is just as 
healing as running, possibly more healing because then afterwards I'm not in pain. And also people don't look at me funny because I look like a crocodile old person running from a serial Aww. killer. So yeah, but we're nearing the end of our time. In fact, we're nine and a half minutes over the end of our time. We're so way over. But that's okay. People love listening to us talk. Isn't that right, mom? <laughs> I hope so. At least two, at least a at few least people two, do. Two, two loyal <laughs> listeners that we've identified. Well, three. I know Aunt Debbie's out there. Yep. We've got three. Three people now that we know listen to all of them. My friend, Amy. Shout Thanks, out to Amy if you're listening to this episode, girlfriend. I know she listens to all of them. Anyway. I have multiple people from my life who listen and I'm so I have thankful multiple, for. at least three. <laughs> multiple, multiple. Uh, Thank you to all four of yeah, you. Not one, not two, family. but multiple people. Multiple. <laughs> we can't even count how many. All right, so we are ending, and we are so glad all you multiple, multiple (laughs) listeners are with us. I'm Kim, signing off. I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter, signing off. And please don't forget to go follow us on Not A Deal Podcast uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And then Facebook, what's the name of our Facebook page? Not Ideal, D-O-T-N-E-T. So not ideal dot spelled out net. Perfect. And go leave us a review on iTunes also because we're hungry for attention. Okay, thank you, everybody. And goodbye. We're on Twitter too. We're on Twitter at Not Ideal Podcast. I I said we're on Twitter. Oh my word. Do you have a brain left? Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.